Hi all, and welcome back. We are Highly Invested, a podcast centered around reading and rereading Brandon Sanderson's ever-expanding Cosmere series. My name is Richie Green, and I'm joined by two people who just finished The Way of Kings, James and Betsy. What is up, guys? We did it. We did it. That's crazy. 26 episodes. Been quite a journey. 76 chapters. 1,252 pages. And it's crazy thinking that this is the shortest Stormlight Archive book. 1,252 pages. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, we did it, guys. It's awesome. I'm, I'm really excited to talk about these chapters, and then obviously uh, we can discuss the future. Uh, but before we do that, everybody have a good Thanksgiving. Yeah, I ate a lot of ham, a lot of turkey, a lot of green beans, and I kind of wish it was Thanksgiving all over again. Although I think I'm still full. I know, it was nice. It was good to see family. It was relaxing. Ate a lot of mac and cheese and stuffing and pie. It was great. Yeah, yeah, I had a great time. I, I was there like Wednesday, helped put up the Christmas tree, played Christmas music. It really put me in the holiday mood. Um, and JJ came over and drank like three rum punches, ate twice, and then literally passed out on the couch. It was hilarious. Oh, JJ. As it should be. As, As it should be. be. <laughs> That's what Thanksgiving's for. Um, what do you call that? A turkey nap or something? I don't remember what it's called. But wait, I got to go back. You put your Christmas tree up on Wednesday before Thanksgiving? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I showed up early. Um, uh, I took the train up to the Bronx, and, and then mom was like, um, if we just do this now, we don't have to do like anything after, you know, like we could just focus on eating and hanging out. So I was like, why not? That's a good reason. And now she doesn't got to worry about it. Yeah. And it was beautiful. It was very beautiful. And in return, I got, I got curry goat. I got big macaroni and cheese, turkey wings. Yum. Damn. Sounds good. You're making me hungry and I've already, already eaten dinner. It was awesome, dude. Very awesome. So I'm grateful. And I'm grateful for you too, for being my best buds Aww. and for starting a podcast with me. I'm grateful for who you guys. Thought? I'm grateful for you, for you both as well. Yeah, who would have thought, you know, we were uh, started this in March. Yeah, not, <laughs> not me. me. We started this in March <laughs> or something. And now we've got we've got 26 episodes or 26 plus episodes. It's so crazy. This How did bad. we even start this? I don't know. Yeah, it, started, it was like a group, like a group chat. We were just saying, oh, it was like. I was like, oh, I'm going to, I finished, uh, we just finished Tress and there's just nothing to read anymore. And I was like, right. I'm going to start Wave Kings all over again. And you were like, I'm going to start it. And I was like, well, I guess we should, we should just do a podcast where you talk about it. Ha ha ha. You know? And then That's I right. broke down the doors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I slammed my sharp blade into the doors and I said, I'm a part of this too. <laughs> and then, and then Betsy was like, wait, I want to do that too. And we were like, actually you would be the star of the show because mm-hmm. we'd get to get your genuine reactions to reading the books and, and we were right. We were absolutely right, dude. Oh, on the nose. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think it was inspired because I remember talking about this uh, podcast, that name, I can't remember of it now, but it was, it covered the Harry Potter books, and it was, there. it was around a guy who had never seen the movies or read the books and knew nothing of the plot. Yeah. And it was so entertaining. So I was hoping to channel that energy with, with this one. 
Yeah, and look at us now, all grown up and highly invested in the way of kings and the cosmos. Which I will say I still don't know what highly invested really means yet, so we'll... We'll come to find out. I forgot out. about it's that. It's so funny that you actually don't. <laughs> I don't know it what the just, title of our podcast means. It's just actually funny that you don't because I was talking to Dafford about this the other day and I was like, Betsy has no idea why we named this podcast. Well, I forgot invested. about that again, Rich, that you and I <laughs> talked about this. Oh my God. It's just so funny to me. Well, I thought of it because they used a word in one of the chapters we're going to cover. Uh, what was it? Um... Highly starts with a C. Oh, cultivation. Interesting. And you guys have used that word before, and I feel like that's like an important word. So it's like, oh, there's that important word I've heard, uh, but I don't know what it means. Oh, very interesting. I don't even remember saying I don't that. I remember word. saying that. Yeah. But Betsy must have jotted it down. She's like, write that down. Write that down. <laughs> Well, speaking of writing that down, we're going to have to start writing our reactions and our thoughts because our next episode is the wrap-up. We're done. Yeah. The Way of Kings. Yeah, so next episode, uh, we'll we'll do like a, you know, what was your favorite moment, favorite characters, you know, talk about maybe the Ar- Ars Arcanum at the end of this book and just overall discussion of what we liked about and The Way of Kings. probably announce our next book. And announce the next book. And and I think next episode, I will give a description of the Cosmere, right? Kind of a the selling point that I sold my, to my friends when I wanted them to read the entire works of Brandon Sanderson. I always just call it the Avengers, but book. Yeah, hmm. exactly. I think, hmm. and I, I, wanted, I, wanted to, I wanted to give that description because... It would help transition us into Warbreaker, right? So, uh, so I'll save that for the next episode. So, did you just announce uh, our next book? <laughs> we, we've talked about this in the spoiler section. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> okay, um, all right. Another news, another another short uh, tangent. Um, I got you guys to watch the first episode of this amazing anime called Freerin Beyond Journey's End. And I want to get your thoughts on that real quick. I don't know why you felt the need to make me really go deep into my emotions and my love for my friends. So thanks for that, I guess. Um, No, in all seriousness, I could not stop watching that show until a moment happened where I went, if I keep watching this, I'm going to be really, really sad. So I had to turn it off. Dude, I sobbed in that first first episode. was so beautiful. It was amazing. I watched that in the morning. I put it on while I was working from home and I was full on crying like at 10 a.m. in the morning. (laughs) Just tears coming down my face. It was was such a good first episode and I am going to watch the next couple ones. It's been a busy last couple of days, but I had all the feels and so many thoughts about friendship and it's storytelling and found family and everything and just time uh to the kremlings if you if you are in anime or if you want to get into it um go watch freerin beyond journey's end at least watch the first episode the first episode is honestly like a mini movie and it's just a story of the what happens after you defeat the big bad guy. What happens after you save the world and come back home and you grow old and 
your friends move away and all of that and and you reminisce on those journeys and those adventures that you had Rich, together stop, stop it's so stop. good and it's set in a world that's like D a D world well you basically. first you first got me hooked because i thought that was such an interesting premise of the like what happens after the adventure like that's such an interesting kind of plot for a story but then once you get into it i don't know i just feel like in the theme of thanksgiving it really made me appreciate like getting to do things like this podcast with your friends. Mm-hmm. Like you yeah. take it for granted in your everyday life, but the fun little adventures and things that get you out of the norm with the people you care about are the things you'll remember. Exactly. So oh, yeah, guys, guys, guys watch that first episode. Also, I'll just say, because Freerin is an elf who doesn't like, who basically lives for a very, very long time. And the other adventurers in the party are just like regular humans or they age normally. So watching them grow old is just very sad. <laughs> and that's what re- that's what really brings out the idea of cherishing those memories while you have them. Um, okay, but... <laughs> Thank you. Because <laughs> Dapper's about to literally start sobbing again. It's a really, really good show. And I've really enjoyed <laughs> yeah. the first two episodes. And I was planning on watching the third after this. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay, so Freerin, Beyond Journeys, then. T- check it out. Uh, and also check it out in dub. I really like the English dub that they have for it. So today... We will be discussing the end of the Way of Kings. The podcast will be divided into a spoiler section and a non-spoiler section for listeners reading Cosmere novels for the first time. Um, so we're going to be reading chapters or discussing chapters 73, 74, 75, and the epilogue. And with that, let's bring it into chapter 73. I can't believe we finished this book. <laughs> it's fucking wild, dude. <laughs> absolutely wild we did it betsy we did it we fucking did it it's so sick and now we get to read other books together more books (laughs) yeah longer books chapter 73 trust kaladin considers his freedom and asks sil whether he should trust dalinar sil says that dalinar is a good man despite having carried a shard blade she can't say why, but blades feel wrong to her. Sol found the killing in the battle hurtful, and Kaladin asked her how he can hold to the Radiance ideals. He has to kill to save Dalinar, but the rules say he shouldn't do terrible things to accomplish great ones. Sol doesn't have any answers for him. Dalinar approaches, and they hash out the terms of Kaladin's employment. He and the men of Bridge Four will become Dalinar and Elokar's bodyguards, protecting them from all of the angry light eyes that they are about to incite by declaring Dalinar the High Prince of War. Kaladin will train the rest of the bridgemen who agree to stay as soldiers and who will only be assigned to patrolling and keeping the peace, not plateau runs, since Kaladin finds himself regretting all the dead Parshendi. Kaladin himself will be promoted to captain, and will be entirely outside the normal chain of command, reporting only to Dalinar. Kaladin heads back to Bridge Four's new barracks, uh, but finds it empty. He smells smoke, and he tracks down his men sitting around the campfire. They're listening to tough stories while Rock cooks them a stew. Even after such a long day, it just didn't feel right to not get together and share a meal. Bridge Four piles on the questions, and despite his fears... They're in love with his new magical abilities. Sigzel demands scientific methods, and the Lopin focuses on 
how he can use these abilities to get women. <laughs> Many want to learn from him how to inhale Stormlight, and they demand a demonstration. Kaladin looks around his men, all 27 of those who survive, and feels some, something relax inside of him. He has finally saved people. This man needed a nap. Yeah, mm-hmm. seriously. So this is a this is a wonderful chapter because we get a great conversation between Kaladin and Dalinar, two main point of views from the entire book. Finally, just talking man to man, having a conversation, and Kaladin gets offered an incredible position, elevated amongst uh, above, like a shit ton of light eyes. Yeah, equivalent of a fourth dawn, is what they say. And again, a dawn is like the social ranking or social hierarchy if you want to call it for a light eyes and a non and a hn is the equivalent for a dark eyes you hear early on in the book that calden mentions his family is second non so very high for a dark eyes but fourth dawn's really high up it's the equivalent of a battalion lord they say it's amazing I feel like dalinar like would have even promoted him higher if there wasn't the possibility that he would have gotten in trouble for it I think Kaladin kind of got everything he asked for in this situation, which honestly felt like a breath of fresh air. Like he deserves to be getting everything that he wants in this situation. Finally. Yeah. And even though Dalinar and Kaladin come from super different places in life, you can see how similar they are. And I feel like they were both finally meeting someone who sort of maybe saw the world in a similar way and had respect for each other, like regardless of their like station and their society and just felt, I feel like felt good to have them having a conversation together. It's a really good point, Betts. I wrote a similar note about how Kaladin, a dark eyed Bridgman literally just negotiated with probably the second most powerful man in the entire Alethi army. So uh, sick. And got a great deal, but you, you're so right, Betts. Like they see each other, in such a specific way, they, they don't consider upbringing. They don't consider anything like that. Kaladin just doesn't seem like he cares because he hates, hates light eyes. But Dalinar respects Kaladin. And I love why. It was because of the way that the men followed Kaladin and respected Kaladin. That made Dalinar respect Kaladin. Yeah. Not even what he did, which he obviously cared about. He saved his life. But he cared a lot more that his men want to follow him. Yeah. And I feel like the moment that they met, there was this line where Kaladin sort of like immediately clocked Dalinar for exactly the way that Dalinar wants to be seen. Like, I don't have the exact quote, but he was like, oh, he like exudes power, but he dresses in this way because he wants to like be an example of leadership and like what it means to be honorable. And I get that. And I feel like nobody takes down our seriously that way but Kaladin was immediately like oh that's who he is all about the codes and Dalinar clocks Kaladin because he asked him again he goes you know why did your bridge crew really come for us like what why would you do that and Kaladin goes why did you give up a shard blade I loved that part <laughs> it's great and they, don't, they don't even they don't even say anything after that they just I could just see them just like staring at each other intently <laughs> it just like well, so many conversations reason. being said without being said it's it amazing. is for the same reason they knew I know uh, it was funny I feel like there was just they they're both very brooding so there was like moments where <laughs> Calvin would he'd be like congratulations and it's like Dalinar's like yeah 
And they're like, hmm. (laughs) And he's talking about how he's going to become the high prince of war and like make it a real war and all that. And he's going to do something really dangerous. Congratulations. (laughs) That actually killed me. Also, did you pick up that uh, Adolin is not that happy about how Kaladin spoke to him? (laughs) Yeah. I wrote that in my notes. I totally forgot about Kaladin just like yelling at Adolin. Yeah, Dalaran says, Adolin still feels bitter about how that convo went with Kaladin. He did not like being ordered around by by like a lowly, like dark-eyed Bridgman. Like classic. But neither (laughs) of them cared. That's like, Dalinar didn't give a shit. (laughs) No, his feathers are ruffled. His newly pressed feather jacket is ruffled. Yeah. (laughs) Kaladin's like, no. And Kaladin was talking about how they were just in shock. And he's like, someone just needed to give him a nudge. And Dalinar's like, yeah, fair enough. And Any he other saved Alethi. all their Any lives. Other. So True. I think it's totally valid. Um, and then Dalinar talks to Kaladin about his plan to do something really extreme with the other high princes. And we don't totally get like his full plan. But he talks about how he wants to take away their toys and I kind of was wondering what that meant like if that was taking away them from the shattered plane so they're not battling over gem hearts anymore if it was literally like removing shard blades or like what that meant that's a good point I think that Dalinar definitely has like a big plan after he gets anointed as a High Prince of War, and we're probably going to see that in the up-and-coming books, for sure. Yeah, we're starting to get a lot of cliffhanger stuff. Mm -hmm. It is worth saying we know a little bit of what he wants to do from his conversation with Elokar, not just be named High Prince of War, but have control over who goes on the plateau runs, who keeps the gem hearts, who gets all this stuff. That's that we know that part. That was from his conversation with Elakar. Yeah, it does good seem point. like he's hinting at more. It's not a free for all anymore. It, there's mm. like going to be more order. I, I also think that Dalinar respected Kaladin after he said that um, I killed a lot of Parshendi and I didn't like it today. You know, and I think Dalinar actually understands that because the, the Parshendi showed them great respect. They did not. They they let Dalinar fight basically one v one with the Parshendi shard bearer and they, they and then they chose when they were fighting Kaladin's bridge crew to fight the men who were actually strong enough to fight and to leave people like the Lopin alone or Scar who was injured they left them alone and it goes back to Betsy's point that if these are something creatures that we don't know why like are we should we be afraid there seemed to be a culture and respect there yeah and I feel like Dalinar felt that too when he was facing the larger Parshendi with the shard blade. But it kind of goes back to that like very beginning conversation that Kaladin has with Syl, where he talks about feeling like, I mean, by the end of the chapter, Kaladin's feeling really good about the people that he did save. But in that moment, he was still a little thinking, you know, he went for the weakest point in that battle and the Prashendi like didn't attack him for it. It wasn't like the most honorable move. He was just sort of trying to survive. Well, I loved that entire conversation with Syl. My note was Kaladin the philosopher. Can you kill to protect? When is it too much? You know, these Prashendi showed him more honor than a Lethe did. And Syl even makes that point to Dalinar. And Syl doesn't have the answers. She does not know. 
And she's an honors friend, and she doesn't even know if it's honorable. Yeah. But you get the you get the real duality of Kaladin here, right? He's wrestling with his own emotions. He's he doesn't really know how to process all of this. And then the moment it comes to protecting his men, he stands up to the one of the most powerful men in the world and demands that they get what they deserve. And and thank God Dalinar is an incredible man because he he knows what they deserve and agrees to it immediately. But that's that's Kaladin. Kaladin in a nutshell. Yeah. He doesn't know how to process, but the moment he needs to step up, you know he will. But like Dalinar goes even beyond like just giving into his demands. Like that moment when he gives him his cape and like calls him family. I I, I don't know. And then I, and then uses the name of the first name we get of Kaladin, which is Kaladin Stormblessed. That was from the like the first chapter. He goes, accept this with my gratitude, Kaladin Stormblessed. You can just feel this movie coming to an end. You're just like it's just like waves. You just want this to be a movie. It's just like waves and waves of just like good (laughs) feelings after suffering for so for so long. Richie needs to direct this movie. And the, I, I, I would, <laughs> and then and then the subtle hint that there's more to come. Dalinar goes, the true desolation comes, and okay, then Kaladin goes, what, what, what? <laughs> what the fuck to say? Made me laugh so much because for some reason I always think about those moments in like TV shows and or movies where someone like says something and the other person like just totally brushes it off and how that would never happen in real life. And I feel like the equivalent of this is Dalinar being like, I need you. The world needs you. The apocalypse is coming. <laughs> Calvin is just like, what did you say? He's like, nothing. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> it, it, well, I always think of that meme that you sent or made, Betsy, with the the birds talking. Unite them. <laughs> and all that. It's Dalinar saying. It's from King of the Hill. It's from King of the Hill. It's Bobby holding the sign up in the window. It's like, you, yeah. unite them. Unite them. It's like, if those kids could read, they'd be really upset about that. Oh my God, I need to like go back through all those memes now and see if like any of them mean anything else. Because there was that one of the birds that was really weird. And it was like two birds on a branch. And the bird was just saying, unite them. <laughs> That's great. Um, oh, man. So, so, we, so yeah, Dalinar gets cryptic, and Kaladin has no idea what that's about. But he mentions a true desolation again, um, which is something we've even heard in the Death Rattles. And, importantly, in all the visions. Is a Death Rattle the, th- the words the people are saying? Yes. Nice one, Rich. <laughs> that's not a spoiler. That's just. I what mean, I just figured that out. That's just what it's that. called. I mean, it's, not, it's not a spoiler. It's just, that's what they're. It's just the name of them. That we, we need to call them something. It's very the things they say when they die. Yeah, we've been saying we've been saying the things they say when they die a lot um, throughout the podcast, but we, now we can just call them a death rattle. They are called a death rattle, and you know, let's not talk about Moreau's terrible things like that for a second because we get an amazing end to Kaladin's arc in this book. Him back at the fire with bridge four. Walking amongst 40 buildings, one for each bridge crew, over a thousand Mm -hmm. men. How amazing is that? Free men. That is amazing. And he's in charge of all of them. They accepted him immediately. They didn't even fight or question him. They're like, yep, that makes sense. You're the dude. You're the guy. We'll follow you. And then, but he still goes back to bridge four and Bridge Four still need to have the stew. They need to have their routine of being amongst each yeah. other. This, the stew, each the first company. reminder that life is just worth living for its, oh, its own sake. 
is was that stew because Kaladin was looking for a reason to unite them. Oh, I think I just oh. did a thing. Oh. I did oh. a thing. He did it. <laughs> I, did, I did a oh. thing. What? What? <laughs> he united them. He did. He really did. Um, I thought that was. Richie it was just, said the words. He said. He said the words. Stew is ready. He said the words. <laughs> the stew is ready. Except Rock keeps putting uh, rocks in the stew. Uh, I did. I wrote down my favorite quote. I think from the entire book. When they're talking about how Kaladin is a radiant and they're like, wait, you can do all these things. Teach us. And Rock just goes, just throw him off a cliff. Yeah, that was hilarious. He goes, it, if it, he flies, it, it he's, he's real. If he doesn't, <laughs> <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be small cliff. I yeah, like you too much. There were so many funny lines there. Because I think it says the guys are opening up more. They're like letting their personalities out. They're talking about their families. They're talking about their life before they became Bridgman because they feel like they can now like they've got a future ahead of them yeah it and and then we get this a really great scene of of Dre asking like can you do it can you do it right now and even Sigzel you know the quiet reserved one is like he goes don't you think we deserve to see it <laughs> right it's very demanding yeah I noticed that too and and he absorbs the storm light rock covers the fire and he just glows like a fucking Christmas tree <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> and it's just so funny that they're all just like staring at it going ah that's Whoa. so cool <laughs> <laughs> and, Imagine Sh- we and were Shen all, like, is there too which I loved yeah they made a point to say that, that they picked up Shen from the camp and he was there. I'm really glad you brought that up because that stood out to me too. Because Bridge Four are a unit; they're a family, and they still brought him back despite everything they've done. Despite the fact that a lot of them wanted to just leave him behind to start, they didn't want him in the crew, but they got him and they brought him back to Bridge Four. Yeah, they didn't give him to the other Parshmen of Dalinar's camp. They didn't do any of that. They brought him back. That that stood out to me. That really did. Yeah, I thought that was wonderful. And then Sigzel asked a lot of um, great questions. Um, uh, I think his personality is starting to shine as well because he start, he was very inquisitive about the actual like technicality of what of what Cal can do. So I thought that was nice. He was demanding like all these tests. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. So just a wonderful I, uh, chapter. He finally managed to save someone. The stew tastes a little bit better because of it. Not, and he does not forget the three that l- were lost in the fight. Uh, Earless Jacks. Ma- and Malop. Malop. Earless Jacks, Malop, oh. and Betsy. You, you say the last one. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Betsy. It's okay. Through the magic I don't of, know through it. The, through, the, through the magic <laughs> of editing, I could just make it seem like you know it. Go ahead. Just say it. Narm? Is it Narm? Narm? Have we... Who's that? <laughs> it's a little. It's a little too late to be asking that question, Fetz. It is Narm. <laughs> Narm. Three more men were dead. Malop, Earless Jacks, and Great Narm. job, guys. Great job. Narm was always my favorite. Yeah, you talked about him like every episode. <laughs> we were just like, Betsy, got it out. Yeah, we gotta move. He'll be missed. Maybe I'll may- name my my first child after Narm. That would be beautiful. Well, with that, uh, let's move on to chapter 74. Chapter 74, Ghost Bloods. Shalon agrees with Yasna that the Parshman must be the Voidbringers. For once, Yasna is forthright with her emotions, telling Shalon she is terrified about what this all means. 
Shalon realizes how pervasive parchment are in the everyday lives of Roshar. The Parshendi were peaceful upon first meeting Gavilar and the other Alethi, but they turned suddenly. What's to say something similar or even more severe couldn't happen with the normal parchment? Their minds are connected like span reeds. If all the parchment in the world became active without notice, then civilization on Roshar will be decimated yet again, Shalon says. They have to do something. Yasna insists that they are doing what they can by gathering enough facts to take to the leaders of the world. She's, Yasna is done with Carbranth. She gives Shalon a choice of going with her or heading back to Yakavid. Though she doesn't want to abandon her brothers, Shalon decides to go with Yasna. They are leaving the following day for the Shattered Plains. Yasna mentions the group that tried to assassinate her recently, called the Ghostbloods, are also after this information. Their symbol, three diamonds overlaying one another, was found on Kazbel's body as a tattoo. This is the same symbol Shalon's brother, Non Balat, found on Luesh and the men looking for her, looking for her father's broken soul caster. Shalon tells Yasna that her father may have been a member of this group. Whoa. That's my... Okay. You really got them, Richie. (laughs) (laughs) Just suck it. (laughs) Wow. What a a very short chapter. The end to Yasna and Shalon's arc in The Way of Kings. But what stood out to me is we finally get a real, real description of what the desolations maybe were. The Parshmen, just like the Parshendi have, turned mad with rage and almost wiped humanity off the planet. Again, and again, and again, and again, they came back and did that over and over and over and over and over and over again. With the help and, uh, of some like weird stone creatures, which we've seen before in Dalinar's visions. Yeah, we have. We actually have. As they were having this conversation, uh, Shallon says to Yasna, but we have the parchment tamed. And I was like, I don't, I didn't like that phrase. I didn't like that phrase at all. I don't like, I think that they're, they're more concerned about the vengeance and not the fact that they have enslaved a group of people granted you know these are uh the void bringers of old you know I, I get that they're afraid and they're they're afraid of what could happen and that they've let them like into the homes or whatever but they're not afraid of the parchment anymore that's that's what kills me about this is it's yeah they were the enemies they were the void bringers but as they say in the last chapter with the two of them humanity is not fond of throwing away throwing away something they can use yeah so so it's like they not only like did they, they win, but they also just like enslave the the, uh, the group of people, and then and, an and then the reveal species, is like I feel like are we like Shallon's like oh god oh no like what if they kill come back for us and like try to kill us? It's like bro, yeah. I mean like they would be dessert. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's that's how the, that's what I feel like I was trying to say a couple episodes ago about feeling like complicated emotions around. Like, it's such a great reveal, and it's a very smart, like, narrative choice because it's so dramatic. Like, the parchment are everywhere, and oh my god, they're the enemy, and they're ingrained in everyday life. But then there is that part of you that's like, this whole book, we've felt super uncomfortable about the way that we talk about the parchment, 
And yeah, I, I feel like even when we read this, there was like a moment where they talked about how they were tamed, but then they also called them like their friends. I don't know. It just like was all weird. It's very uncomfortable is what it is. And it should be because they enslaved an entire species, an entire group of people. And they are so pervasive that even the smallest towns have these slaves. So, yeah, the Voidbringers back in the heraldic, heraldic epics tried to wipe humanity off uh, the face of Roshar. Maybe this is why? <laughs> like, right? Like, it's, that's, that's, that's what it comes point. out to me here. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, so it's, it's, it is a very interesting and complex situation. And Yasna even goes on to say, like, they serve our food, they work our storehouses, they tend our children. There isn't a village in Roshar that doesn't have a parchment. We ignore them. We just expect them to be there doing as they do, working without complaint. But the question is, did, did you guys did that? <laughs> you know, like you put them there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely. Th- there's definitely a lot more going on here and trying to put it together in my own head. The most confusing aspect of it to me is that like the connection between the Parshman and the Parshendi is so strong that I feel like we are, we can pretty much say at this point, they're kind of the same people. So what, why are the Parshendi free and they have their own language and like they've got the ability to have this mass army mm-hmm. and shard blades and the Parshman don't and are the Parshendi trying to enact revenge over that or get freedom for the Parshman but then they're being so honorable towards people like Dalinar something's going on there I don't know what the answer is but that's no I love I love the way you're you're just you're thinking about it all it's it's they're interesting questions to ponder on for real yeah I I just want to add more to your questioning about it, Betsy. You to recall two moments of this book. One, the prologue, when Shen, when um, the, the Shin man, Zeth, I was trying to say Shen and Zeth and Shin <laughs> all at the same time, it came out of Shen. Uh, when Zeth, the Shin man in, in white, kills Gavilar, he does it at the peace treaty between the Alethi and the Parshendi. Right. And that's what starts the war. So that's when that happens. And... When Dalinar fights the Parshendi Shardbearer, not only do they let them fight, but he says some the, the Shardbearer says some crazy things to Dalinar. Well, what did, that's all. That's all I'll say. What, would the, what did the Shardbearer say to Dalinar? He said he was looking for Oh, I've been for looking him. for you. Like he finally found Oh, him. yeah, that's that's what led to Betsy's theory. <laughs> yep. Interesting. I don't Interesting think that's Dalinar. true <laughs> Interesting theory. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. That was a weird one. No, I, I mean, everything is on the table. I'll tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, two things. This is a big cliffhanger chapter on all in all sense of the word. But two things that I, I loved about this chapter. Um, one, the quote, Yasna smiled, looking oddly pleased with herself, considering she'd only convinced one person. <laughs> and I feel like we really see her with her guard down in this chapter. Like they describe her at one point of looking exhausted when she's talking to Shalon about 
kind of just saying, okay, you either need to be all in on this or not because I really need to figure out the answers and I can't have you here like trying to plan your escape. Yeah. And like I feel like you can really feel that she's scared, she's at her wit's end, she needs to figure this out and we haven't seen that side of her mm. up until this point where I think she finally has somebody to open yeah, up to a little bit. that's a bit. great point. Um, we get to see this other side of her where she can be vulnerable and express her fear. But she is, but she still is a princess because she tells Shallon to go pack our things. Yeah. Crack me up. <laughs> I, yeah. Can't, I mean, like, let's not, <laughs> let's not get too hasty here, right? I am yeah. still royalty. <laughs> the world may be ending, but you need to fold my clothes and put it in a suitcase. Yeah. <laughs> I totally missed that. That's so funny. <laughs> it cracked me up. I was going to say, the last thing that I want to say about this chapter is when when inevitably we restart this podcast, when Betsy's fully Cosmere aware, uh, and we just start over again at the beginning, uh, and Betsy's rereading Way of Kings, I want you, Bets, to pay attention to how often, and it's a lot, we talk about it in the, in the uh, spoiler section in regards to this chapter, really, how often just parchment are commented on doing something? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, throughout and, the and whole book. Kremlings out there. Yeah, throughout the whole book, it's something. It's something. I when just, you I still it. just didn't like how uh, <laughs> Shallon is reacting to this. I get that she's like shocked, but she goes, um, "What would happen if every parchment on Roshar suddenly turned against his masters?" Seeking freedom, or worse, vengeance. We'd be devastated. Civilization as we know it would, could collapse. We have to do something. What the fuck you want to do? Murder them? <laughs> like, like, what's your plan, Shallon? But it's also like, if they weren't having this conversation, she probably would have just snapped her fingers and like some parchment would have packed their Exactly. Bags. Like, they go around yep. like, just, I don't know. I agree with you. It's um, like... She was fine to have them working for her, but to know that they that they were something else and are enslaved, suddenly she's afraid of vengeance. Not their freedom, but more of the vengeance. She's kind of afraid of their freedom. Yeah. Wait, just to back up a second, though. So when we say vengeance, so yes, there's the venge- vengeance that I feel like they're, they're the vengeance for what the people on Roshar did by enslaving the Parshman, but are they also talking about, oh, never mind, never mind. I was thinking about, so Gavilar, they think Gavilar was killed by the Parshendi. No, it's confirmed. The Parshendi that they're fighting on the Shattered Plains uh, took ownership of that. They they yeah, they, they admit, admit that they hired the Assassin in White to do that. And then, okay. and then the, we don't know how, but the Oath Stone ended up somewhere else with someone else. Got it. And eventually it was someone pretty uh, interesting. Well, eventually ending up with a kindly king. Mm, better Wait, way. Wait, sorry. Can you it, repeat that again, Dapper? What? Wait, what did what you part? say about the O-Stone? Well, we just said that... It ends up with someone interesting. I'm referring to yeah, Teravangian. Yeah, he's just, being, he's just mentioning Terav- <laughs> how the O-Stone oh. ended up with uh, Teravangian. Yeah, so I think that Teravangian is a ghost blood. Ooh, Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. That's my interesting trash theory. man theory. I'm the trash man. 
<laughs> if I could have a little clip of audio every time, that would be it. I'm the trash man. I come out, I throw trash all over the, all over the ring, and then I start eating garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was another big reveal in this chapter, is we find out that Casbol had these ulterior motives. He was a part of this cult, this secret society called the Ghost Bloods, that are also looking for these answers, but to what end, we're not quite sure. Right, right. But it feels kind of the opposite side of the coin of what Yasna's doing. Like, they want it for opposite reasons. We don't know what that means, but they tried to kill Jasna. Um, and then we find out from Shalon that she's seen this before on Luash. He wore the symbol around his neck and the men who came asking for the Fabriol after her, her father died. Sorry, I'm speaking slowly because I'm trying to remember it all. And she <laughs> okay. suspects that her father also was a part of that group. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so a lot of questions, a lot of mystery here, and uh, a new organization has been revealed, a new player. I don't. And I'm curious to know, like, because I'm trying to think, I feel like we've heard some negative things about her father, not super specifically, but throughout the book, I think she said he, like, wasn't always a kind man. And thinking about the fact that she says that she killed him. Mm. Thank you. There it is. I mean, we don't know (laughs) if that was an accident or if it was on purpose or what the reasoning was. We have no idea. But it sounds like Shalon didn't know he was a part of this group. That's true. That's actually a good point. It sounds like, which means, yeah, yeah. She killed her father not knowing that he was part of a organization, secret organization. The way you said, that's actually a good point. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's actually a good I just, point. I, I didn't think about <laughs> that. My, my, my pride spread. Like, <laughs> <laughs> a Richie compliment. <laughs> Glory spread. Um, did you guys have anything else for 74? They're going to the Shattered Plains. They're going to Shattered Plains. And so are no. we in in the next iteration of the, of the Stormlight Archive. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> we were there for like this entire book. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take it into the last chapter. Chapter 75. In the Top Room. Dalinar and Navani are together in the top room of Dalinar's complex, waiting for a high storm. He thinks lightly how happy he is to see how happy she is before the high storm hits, and he's thrown into another vision, in a place of smoke. Looking all around, he realizes with some discomfort that this is a vision he's seen before. In fact, it's the first vision Dalinar ever saw, where he saw Kolinar, his city, destroyed and in rubble. The only thing he could distinctly remember was the voice, and on cue, a man with long white hair, wearing a strange outfit made of gold, appears, and him, the voice, speaks. Dalinar demands answers as to why the voice betrayed him and led him down a path of destruction and trusting Sedeus. But something sticks out still. All of this, the speech of the voice, what he's hearing, the vision, the place of smoke, Kolinar, it's repetitive, it's a repeat. He's been here before. And the voice is repeating every word of warning to Dalinar. Unite them. The night of sorrows. The Everstorm. The true desolation. 
He realizes that the voice could never hear him, that everything he's seeing and everything he's seen is pre-recorded, if you will. Dalinar confirms he will fight, he will unite, as the voice warns him again of this Everstorm, and specifically of a him. He makes clear to Dalinar that this enemy is dangerous, so dangerous that he killed whoever the person or thing behind the voice is, and that he is coming. Finally, after all this, Dalinar asks softly, who are you? And the pre-recorded voice finally gives him an answer. He is God, the Almighty, and he is dead. Wow. What the fuck? <laughs> Very well. I, I, first of all, I think it's so funny that Dalinar can't think of the word pre-recorded because that doesn't exist in this universe. So he, Yeah, I know. <laughs> so instead, he says something like, um, it's like a journal. But instead of reading it, I'm, I'm like seeing I'm it. Seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't pick up on that while we were reading that he wasn't talking to him directly. So that was a cool reveal, and it, I feel like just the way it was like a message in a bottle, kind of just thrown out nice. into the ether. Oh, that's very well put. Like, I feel like we don't really know whether it was actually meant for Dalinar or whether God or whoever this is just, like, put through a Hail Mary out there with his memories, hoping someone would get it. Just such a cool, cool idea. I was obsessed with it. Well, we can kind of assume, at least just specifically from what the voice says, what we can say what it is, the Almighty says, he has no idea this is going to Dalinar. He's like, I don't know who you are. I don't know if you're watching this. I don't know if anyone will. Yeah. But maybe I've always loved that concept of like, like, like Betsy was saying, a message in a bottle or a beacon sent out into space. You know, like a, I don't know who's getting this message, but I'm telling you right now, you got to unite them. It's coming. I, know, I really <laughs> felt like I've like seen this trope before, but I couldn't remember where I'd seen it. But. That's but that's it. Cool like it's one. it's that any SOS. Yeah, it's yeah. yes, it's an SOS <laughs> of someone who's already dead. Like if for sure. Which I love. Like that's such <laughs> so cool. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Because he was so confused the whole book after well, fine, the whole end of the book after Sadeus betrays him and the voice had been telling, Trust him, trust them. And he's like, Why'd you do this to me? Why'd you lead me to down this path of destruction? I trusted you and he's just like doesn't answer him. He just like continues on the speech that Dalinar's oh, already Oh, dude, heard. I think that's so funny. Like Dalinar continues to ask so many fucking questions, it just gets absolutely ignored <laughs> every <laughs> single time. I know, and he's getting frustrated too. He's like getting a little sassy with the voice, but also like motivated. Like I think like the the, the, uh, the thing references the Almighty. It goes like, "Can you do this or whatever?" And Dalinar's like, "Yes, yes, I can." <laughs> it's just so funny. It's like I will, I will. But yeah, he was applying all of it to just his own situation and assuming it was all like super relevant to everything he was going through. And in reality, like all these decisions that he made, like trusting Sadeus based on what he was seeing in the visions, really was random. And it's kind of funny when you think about him saying that the visions were madness or were fake or were leading him astray because in some way they were like they weren't targeted to him that's a good point yeah specialized or anything they weren't giving him like very specific advice for his situation 
You can assume they had nothing to do with Dalinar's situation. Nothing to do with the Parshendi, nothing to do with Zadeus, nothing to do with the king. And he's just like, wow, I thought this was all about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it could have been anyone who got pulled into this vision. Yeah, and right? it's just so funny. It could have been just... the Lopin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been the Lopin. <laughs> That's hilarious. He's like, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> True. He would be like, I got you, Gancho. I also thought it wow. was cool when he sees, he like climbs the hill and sees the destroyed Aleph Carr. And he's wondering if it's the future. And you get the sense from the voice of the Almighty that it's a mixture of his own memories and his fears for the future and where they're headed. Yes, yes. The the creature, the, this figure has this ability. It says, I cannot see the future completely. Um, cultivation, she is better at it than I. It's as if the future is a shattering window. The further you look, the more pieces that window breaks into. The near future can be ant- anticipated, but the distant future, I can only guess. You the moment you champion. said that, the moment you said that, Rich, I just saw Betsy go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so for the listeners, Betsy nodded quite aggressively <laughs> while Richie read that. And he said, "Yeah," and he said, "You need a champion too." Um, he said, um, "I didn't write this one down, but it said you need you need a champion." There's some things that he can agree to, or something like that, right? There are some rules he is bound by. There's some, we all are. There are some rules he is bound by. We all are. You, know, you need a champion, or something like that. Very cryptic, very cryptic, but interesting, interesting as fuck <laughs> conversation. It was very one-way cryptic, conversation, but not to get like too into the details of how Brandon wrote it, but it just made me laugh. It's like very cryptic and out there and big picture. And then he's like, it might be good if you get a champion. Like, I think that could work. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that uh, might very work. Specific. Honestly, just, just throwing it out there. This might be helpful, <laughs> you know? But anyway, I'm God. Also uh, learn yeah. also learn to read. I don't know. Like yeah. fucking re- like Good learn point. how to read. Like you're an adult. <laughs> yeah, I mean it would be you're it would have been it would been a lot more helpful if he wasn't cryptic and just said literally what is happening, but it's also crazy that these guys pray to the Almighty and Dalinar just got literally confirmation that one, the Almighty existed, and that two, the Almighty is dead <laughs> within within the span of like seconds. Like little, imagine getting confirmation that the gods you pray to are real. That is amazing. So is Odium the one time we heard about him before was when D- Kaladin was in the High Storm. Is and that yes, the case? That is correct. Is that the case? Does anyone have the quote? Because I don't the, remember. This voice, this thing speaks to Kaladin in the High Storm. Remember, he sees that face. So it is from chapter 46, Child of Tanavast. Uh, and Kaladin goes, uh, all right, so this voice speaks to him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak all of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm gonna, this is going to be a little long, but not, not that long. Child of Tanavast. Child of honor, child of one long since departed. The sudden voice shook Kaladin. He floundered in the air. The oath pact was shattered. The booming sound made the storm wall itself vibrate. Kaladin hit the ground, separating from the storm. He skidded to a stop, feet throwing up sprays of water. Storm winds crashed into him, but he was enough a part of them that they neither tossed nor shook him. 
Men ride the storms no longer. The voice was thunder, crashing in the air. The oath pact is broken, child of honor. I don't understand, Caledon screamed into the tempest. A face formed before him. The face he had seen before, the aged face as wide as the sky, its eyes full of stars. Odium comes, most dangerous of all the sixteen. You will now go. And also Sill says it in a, in, early, in a later chapter. Really? Wait, you yeah. want to read that one too, Betts? It's when Calden is talking with her about the old magic and whether he's cursed. And he said, they talk about things like the old magic and the night watch or things that could bring a man bad luck. I scoffed at them, but how long can I continue to ignore that possibility? What if all of these failures can be traced to something like that? Sill looked disturbed. The cap and jacket she'd been wearing dissolved to mist, and she wrapped her arms around herself as if chilled. Odium reigns. Sill, he said, frowning. Have you heard of some something called odium? Sill suddenly hissed. It was a feral, disturbing sound. And then she. All of this is from the same chapter. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. That's that's a very good thing. No, to that's point awesome. That's very <laughs> awesome. It's cool to get these get these little breadcrumbs. So we we know we we're starting to piece together some things that something called odium is is coming and has killed god (laughs) (laughs) i think the word you're looking for is god yeah (laughs) kind of a big deal kind of a big deal but i i just love i love that we're getting into i love going back to callbacks uh throughout the book of something like this because it'll definitely help us going forward and I think it's interesting to point out to the Crumlings also. Well, it's crazy to me because I feel like this book is so long that I forget even where I've heard things before. And then you guys saying that the next books are even longer. (laughs) Not by much. I don't know how you keep it all straight. It's good to, it's good to have it on their phone because then you could just search a specific word. That's exactly what I did. Um, and that that would be helpful for you too, but if you, if you'd want to go back and see it. But one thing that's interesting is that, in that quote you Dapper was reading, and even here, um, in the quote Dapper read, it said the oath pack was broken. Uh, in this chapter, the thing that the Almighty said was, unite them, the sun approaches the horizon, the everstorm comes, the true desolation, the night of sorrows, right? He says, speak again the ancient oaths and return to men the shards they once bore. He turned to Dalinar, meeting his eyes. The night's radiant must stand again. Your legend says that you won, but the truth is that we lost and we are losing. Yeah, so he wants Dalinar to recreate the Knights Radiant and give them back their shard blades. I was just thinking about Shalon with a shard blade. That would be sick. Uh, but yeah, it's... Uh, I'm it, good. I got nothing it else is a, It chapter. is a crazy, amazing ending. And we we end the last chapter of The Way of Kings with, Odium has killed me. I am sorry. Okay, well, say the, say the rest of the quote if you're going to say that part. Jeez. That's the last sentence. That's the last sentence. But the paragraph, I am, I was God, the one you call the Almighty, the creator of mankind. And now I am dead. Odium has killed me. I am sorry. Click. Oh. Please leave a message. <laughs> <laughs> After, at, the, at the end of the tone. This has been an automated recording. <laughs> it will self-destruct. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. No, so good, though. It was definitely 
a culmination of everything and cliffhangers still very up until this point for the whole book uh, can you feel it super exciting and now we get to the epilogue of which i really feel like is the last chapter of course of course yeah. this is the true last chapter of the way of kings epilogue of most worth Wit sits on a box just inside the gates of Kolinar, strumming on his instrument and generally confusing three guards uh, who are there with him. I will skip through that because the gates shake and Wit declares that the storm has come. The gates shake again and chaos breaks out uh, because a shard blade sticks right through the gate and slices through the bars that hold them. And a gigantic man with dark skin and dark eyes, dressed in ragged clothes, stands outside. He holds a massive shard blade, pointing down towards the ground. He walks into Kolinar, ignoring the cries of the guards, and he orders them to sound the alarm and introduces himself. He says, I am Talonel Ellen, Stone Sinew, Herald of the Almighty. The desolation has come. Oh God, it has come, and I have failed. And then he collapses to the ground. Wit looks down at him and says that the one thing that we value the most is timeliness, and he's afraid that this person is too late. Betsy, what are your thoughts on the official last chapter of The Way of Kings? Let's hear it, Bets. I thought this was such a good chapter. It had everything. It had wit making people uncomfortable which we love (laughs) pretty much like spouting some really out there philosophy about something really random it's a setup it's totally actually like totally hits home and makes a lot of sense but we're not totally sure how it connects i know i love this and then that whole moment where Talon appears and he like stabs the shard blade through the gate and i don't know it was so cinematic and so cool, just the way it was written. I loved it. Very cool. Very cool indeed. And and the, the reveal. This is someone who claims to be a herald of the Almighty and who says it's it's actually coming. Again, another message. Uh, oh, mm. guys, yeah, no, it's like, it's like coming. <laughs> but it's <laughs> like he's a herald, but he's been forgotten. He's exhausted. He's been fighting. He's like about to pass out and he's sort of giving up here. I don't know. It was a very, very, very cool chapter. Very cool chapter. Uh, and to the Kremlings who have probably pieced it together, this is another reminder or to go back and read that prologue or, or prelude. I just pulled it up. All of the Stormlight <laughs> Archive, the prelude to this book where we see a person named Kalek talking to a person named Jezrian and they talk about the fact that they're done. They're giving it up. They don't want to go back to this certain place. And they say, maybe if we tell humanity that they won, they'll believe it. Put your sword down in the ground and let's go our separate ways. The other seven people decided to do the same. All right. And then Kalek goes, what about, and he mentions Talm. He says, what about Talm? Um, he died, and he's back at that place. And Jezrian says, maybe he will be enough. And 
according to this, he was enough for 4,000 years. Well, yeah, I want to I wanna add one more quote to that. Because, yes, he died holding that passage by the Northern Waterway. Talon had a tendency to choose seemingly hopeless fights and win them. He also had a tendency to die in the process. He would be back now in the place where they went between desolations. So... Let's hear it. Yes, Betsy. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like I ask this all the time because I get so confused over the heralds and all of this. But so this whole time, Talon has been fending off this enemy that causes the desolations. That's what Talon's been busy doing while humanity, whatever, has been at peace with no desolations. It's it sounds. He's been keeping something at bay. That's what it sounds like, and it is what it sounds uh, like. And I, it's, it's important to note that Kalek, the person in that prelude, once again, was afraid of going back because he was afraid of being mm-hmm. tortured. Um, and he mentions that as well. So, but this seems so. It's like being tortured, but also the fact that they just continuously had to fight and fight and fight to keep this thing at bay that was causing these desolations. I kind of just want a Rafa. It's interesting. The way you think about it is is what we'll say. Yeah. Because then the other thing that I'm thinking about is, so the Knights Radiant were helping... I'm just saying humanity. I don't know if that's the right term. Mm -hmm. During the actual desolations, like on Roshar, the physical fights that were happening with the void bringers. Mm -hmm. And that is either separate or caused by whatever the thing is that the heralds are fending off. So I just, I'll just repeat in response to this, the, timeline the history of roshar there are the heraldic epics and then that leads into the time of desolation and then there's a hariation which is the last <laughs> I, don't, I don't know these words but so don't worry <laughs> uh the last desolation so heraldic epics desolations the last desolation and the next thing is called the recreants so the last desolation ends with the heralds disappearing and then the recreants is when the Knights Radiant betrayed humanity. But so when are the so the Knights Radiant are also though helping during the desolations? Right. They were around. Yeah, yeah. they were around with the heralds, and that's and when, they lasted after. And that's when we talk about we're going to say the Parshendi right now because that's like the context that we have. But the Parshendi keep rising up and destroying humanity and rising up and destroying humanity. And it's happening like again and again. Mm-hmm. That is what Shallon and Yasna have discovered because they've discovered that the parchment are the void bringers. The void bringers are humanity's enemy in the desolations. And then all the heralds left Tom behind to be the only one to continue to re- be reincarnated and fend off this force and be reincarnated. And yeah. So, so force. we don't see, Yes, this is that I got a Rafa. This this is is definitely a Rafa, but it's interesting. the The wording around that first chapter is Mm -hmm. very interesting. It says, "It says they won." Kalek says, "Like, oh, I survived this time. That was even worse. Even when he survived, he had to go back. 
um, to this place. So that's all we know for now, for sure. But mm-hmm. we know it keeps happening, like you said, and we know that they're supposed to go back there to, to do something. And now we know that the enemy are the Parshendi or parchment or whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that helps me understand because then the con like the consequence of Tall Tall appearing is and saying that he failed means that he was not able to hold off this force that he has held off. Well, it's been four thousand years. Four thousand years. <laughs> He's getting tired. Years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for four thousand yeah. years is crazy. Oh uh, yeah, and that that is uh, a crazy ass reveal. We get a herald, uh, yeah, a herald of ancient lore appearing at the doorsteps of Kolinar, telling people that it's coming. A cryptic message that we've gotten throughout the entire book. I just love the way it was all written, especially having Wit there, who somehow like knows that this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, well, his the opening line of the epilogue is. An unbelievable line. It's just so perfectly wit. Can you feel it? Wit asked of the open night. Something just changed. I believe that's the sound the world makes when it pisses itself. And it's funny that he <laughs> says that after the last chapter in which God died. Yep. Yeah, I that's, just he's love just like, like I can see the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he kind of reminds me of the chimney sweep from Mary Poppins. <laughs> So, <laughs> I mean, I kind of see it. Wind like, in the east, like the like, wind's changing. He seems like he seems like a theater kid. Is that what you're getting at? Because I kind of I kind of see it. That was just that was the most out there connection I ever could expect. I don't know why I haven't seen that movie in years. It just popped into my head because he's like the in that movie he's the only one who knows. Okay, we're not gonna get into that. Save it for, let's <laughs> save it for the we don't have time for Mary Poppins lore <laughs> podcast, hosted by Betsy. <laughs> but I just think it's cool that he's this like mysterious, enigmatic character who knows everything and is everywhere, mm-hmm. and he is just always got a story. Chilling with these guards, making them super uncomfortable by saying the most random things, inane shit. And starting that conversation with them about what men value most, which was interesting. Like, I feel like when I was reading it, all I was thinking about the whole time was for I don't know if that if it was what was intended or not. But I was just thinking about Brandon Sanderson writing this book and like creativity and coming up with something and wanting to be the first one to come up with it because that's all people care about. That's kind of true. Very good connection. Yeah, it was I interesting. Like that. Well, but, but yeah, with that, um, with the entrance of Tom and the exit of God, we have the end of the Way of Kings. Did you guys have any other comments for yeah, the epilogue? Yeah, well, I, I just have the same question we've asked Betsy now a couple times. Betsy, how many heralds have you met? One. I don't know. Wait, wait. We, met we a can't ask that. We can't prelude. ask that yet. We haven't. I haven't. We haven't established that in the non-spoiler section. Now we can. It's the end of the book. <laughs> All right. Actually, fair enough. <laughs> Krem- Kremlings. We just finished the epilogue. Krem- Kremlings. Uh, at the beginning of this book, you saw seven. I guess you saw nine individuals walk off their separate ways, and. 
They're just out you saw there. Two, you right? saw two people talk. Yezrian and Kalak. They were standing around a circle of nine swords. The other seven had left. The two of them then also went their separate ways. One was left behind. We just saw that one. It, it could be anyone. It could be that guy that didn't wash his hands when he went to the bathroom. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But, <laughs> but we, we, we've asked Betsy this in the spoiler section. We can ask the Kremlings now. Um, because it, it involves go, maybe going back and rereading and maybe you might have missed something. But how many heralds do you think you saw in the book, The Way of Kings? Because the answer might surprise you. My God, it was such a. That was such like a goddamn. It's the trash man, the man who didn't wash his hands, all the men at the Pure Lake. All the men, even the guy in the earless jacks, and he's dead now. Here we go. Um. All right. Well, I see the bus coming around the horizon. I was wondering what that sound was. Rich awards. Oh, all right. The sound started going away. You yeah, do the that's awards. not our bus. What am I thinking about? That's, 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 that's the express. That's, that's the express. That's like it's like a different <laughs> bus. Like it pulls up and it's like a red rising like spoiler yeah, bus. It's it's the what? Red and, I'm, and, and I'm just like, oh, whoop, whoop, whoops, my bad. There's like three other podcasters on that bus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they look just like us. They, we, they look at us as we go by. Like. Yeah, <laughs> just stare. At them. It's like two girls and one guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Okay, I have the the good soup meme award for Kaladin. <laughs> it's good soup. That's good. That's some good soup. <laughs> it's good soup. It's good soup. Uh, that's funny. I have the these hands work so yours don't have to award for Taln. Uh, what's that in <laughs> reference to? You don't know. It's like a saying. Like... It's like yeah, a, I, I know this. like my hands work, so yours don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> like, my hands look like this, so hers or his oh, look like yeah. this. Oh, it's like one of those Facebook memes, yeah. like like Southerners, Southern Southern Americans. Oh my god, <laughs> that's hilarious. That one's good. That one's really good. And then I have the Help Me Obi Wan Award to God. That's. <laughs> Giving an award to God. The help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. You're my only you're hope. <laughs> Goes nice. to God. I'm gonna give the uh, the Cassandra or the shouting into the void award to also to God because clearly that's what he's pretty much doing with these visions. I mean, like, hey, maybe you can help. <laughs> the Cassandra award. Yeah, who's Cassandra? God. <laughs> wait, wait. I don't want to say. I know it's it's it, no actually Cassandra's an amazing character written. Uh, what are you talking about? In Into the Iliad by Homer, uh, she is the daughter of the oh king of God, Troy. Oh God, I'm so my sorry. Eyes. I asked this question. I'm so <laughs> fucking. I'm so upset. She's like I'm an so, interesting I'm character. So, I'm so sorry. I asked that question. <laughs> I didn't want to answer because I knew you would react like oh, this. Goodness, crazy. <laughs> Don't put this in the podcast. I. Go. That's why I also added the shouting into the void because I didn't think you guys would get it, but you'd get that part. <laughs> The you great reference. I'm sure someone out there so got educated. it. I know. I know one specific person who loved that award. Is it your dad? It was it's Judy. <laughs> <laughs> with with Betsy's uh, story, I'll give the uh, chimney sweep award to 
to Wit for his all-knowing and uh, enigmatic presence. <laughs> I got one for Wit too, which is the well. It's actually not for Wit. It's the Who the fuck is this guy? Award, and that's going to the guards at the gate that were listening to Wit talk about the shit. <laughs> Yeah, I love that he had the, the bright eyes, his light eyes, so they couldn't tell him to leave. <laughs> yeah, I think they even called him Bright Lord or whatever. Mm-hmm. It just made me laugh. Ugh, I'm like never going to get over that moment, though, where he like stabs the shard blade through the gate. And then he, and he's like dragging it along on the ground. And it's like cutting into the stone. Sick. So good. I, I will give the... Arnold Schwarzenegger Manly Handshake Award to Dalinar and Kaladin for the unspoken bond that they have <laughs> over understanding what the lives of men tr- are truly worth. <laughs> Priceless. You, you roll your eyes at a reference to ancient Troy, but not at that, Betsy. That's <laughs> well, just so ridiculous. true. The two of them are just like so overly like <laughs> honor. I love honor and you love honor and we both love honor so much. We're like, so honorable, but we're not going to say those words. We're just going to look into each other's yeah, eyes really absolutely. deeply. You know that that little handshake caused like a small tremor <laughs> throughout the shattered planes. Um, listener, listener Sam sent in the voicemail fake out award, and it goes to God for basically telling Dalinar to leave his message at the beep. <laughs> He'll get back to you never. <laughs> and I'm gonna add because I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. You kind of stole that in your commentary, Richie. I I I actually didn't even realize that. I went. I saw that he sent awards, so I went in to go look at them, and I didn't realize that I actually made that joke. That's so funny, though. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, but that's all I had. <laughs> He's like XOXO gossip guy. <laughs> that's good. Shout out to Sam too. Yeah, he keeps bringing in those great awards. So guys, we've come to the end. Um, and I'm so excited to have our last episode talk about all of our favorites, mom- our favorite moments, favorite characters, least favorite characters, and what we're looking forward to. Uh, at the next book this is so so hype yeah that'll be fun to just think about like the whole book and rather than the specific chapters i'm excited for that one yeah and then and then we can and then we can uh move on to the next exciting thing uh which we'll talk about in the next episode but for now uh, the sun's getting low and our spoiler bus, bus has late. arrived yeah this is a late bus this might be the last one out of here so let's just hop on this and get into the spoiler section. Betsy, you want me to you want me to call you an Uber or? It's the you? very last spoiler bus. You guys are gonna leave me <laughs> at the bus stop. Yep. For eternity. I, <laughs> I will not leave you at this bus stop for four thousand years. I'm gonna have <laughs> to send out a creepy voicemail into space. <laughs> hoping someone will come save me from the spoiler bus stop (laughs) i don't know if you'll receive this message but please call a cab (laughs) next week richie and i are just like chilling out and then betsy just slams a sword through the door (laughs) i see the red rising spoiler bus go by i see the one piece one piece spoiler bus go by i see a furarin spoiler bus go by but you guys are on it (laughs) 
Um, our Tilly Kremlings, we're going into the spoiler section. Our conversations will be centered around these specific chapters, but in the context of all of Brandon Sanderson's Cosmere works, and that includes... Stormlight, Mistborn, Warbreaker, Elantris, White Sand, Arcano Unbounded, Tress of the Emerald Sea, Yumi and the Nightmare Painter, and the Sunlit Man. So if you are caught up, stick around. If you'd like to contact us, our email address is highlyinvestedpodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at highlyinvestedpodcast. Until next time, Kremlings. And we're back in the spoiler section. Me and the Dapper Man. What's up, uh, my man? Wow. We did it, Rich. Yeah, we did it. That's 26 spoiler sections plus a few spoiler episodes. It's fucking wild, man. God damn it. It was worth it when I first read it, and it's worth it now. Yeah. Let me tell you. Really, the the entire podcast began because we decided we wanted to do a reread. And we said we might as well, you know, make a podcast so we can talk about it more. That is, that is how this started. Yeah. We were like, we have a lot of conversations about this. We should record them. We're, we, should list, we should be able to record us. <laughs> and also, we had such a large group chat that it was for them. Uh, to, mm-hmm. to, to the listeners in the spoiler section now, we would just record these and then just send the audio file to the group chat. To, it mm-hmm. wasn't even on like a listening website or anything. It was on Spotify or Apple. It was just a file that we sent to people to listen to. Shout out to Devin. Thank you. you know, Devin was a great beta listener. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's, let's, let's dive into these last uh, couple chapters, dude. Yeah, well, we get a little bit of Kaladin being the goat in the first uh, first one. I really enjoyed that. Oh, uh, yeah. But, wow, just the whole wrestling with his honor and his ideal of honor and, and talking to his honor spren who does who can't define honor. Yeah, what the honor whole is. thing is, <laughs> like Betsy said, the whole thing is about honor. And it's good to see that them talking me. to each other. Oh, my God. You love honor. No, I love honor. <laughs> that was great. Very Kaladin all the way through. Very Windrunner. But he's still the goat. And he's still struggling with these ideas of, of uh, killing to protect. Right. He never stops. And he, mean, never, he, he never he, does. He never does. It's a huge thing for his depression in book four. Well, he deals with depression the entire time. But when he, when he stops being a soldier, he retires. The whole reason for that is can, he, he can't keep killing. It's destroying him. It is. So, you know, the conversation Dalinar is, is great. But when he goes back to see the bridge crew... I just think it's great that they're so awed by him, even though they are like like the the apostles. These are the original. Yeah, well, they have these no are the original idea. windrunners that are. Yeah. Uh, they're about to become like the first windrunners of this generation of the, the millennia, and at least hundreds of years. Exactly. And I I actually have been feeling that way a lot through this book. Like every time Scar is mentioned or Drahi is or mentioned. Or the Lopen. Like, oh, the, oh, Lopen yeah, the Lopen grows yeah. his arm back. He literally grows his arm back. That's sick, dude. Um, no, and I love that Mawash is like, thing Mawash is like can you teach me You know what you did? Oh, Mawash, if only you knew the things yeah. you would do. It does hurt. Terrible things. See how clo- they were so close, and they're going to get so much closer next book. Oh, yeah. my God. 
after he gives him the the shard plate and the shard blade. It's two sides of the same coin. It's it's a path that Kaladin could have taken easily. What group is uh, Moash eventually attached to? Is that the Ghostbloods that are trying to kill Elokar? No. Another random dude in plate. Remember? I don't remember that. I thought that it was the fused. No, it's another random dude in plate who just wants to kill the king. He like convinces Moash this is the right thing to do. We'll attack him while everyone's away. And they try to get Kaladin on board. Oh, oh, oh. I can't think of his name. So, I sorry, I was thinking End of, of book two. I was thinking of Oathbringer. Uh, I was thinking of Oathbringer when Moash kills Elokar. I was like, oh, I was like, no. th- didn't the Parshendi just give him a weapon and just set him on loose? Um, but you're uh, in book two. I'm not sure. Very um, end of book two. There's like that whole guy. I can't think of his name. He's he's a ghost blood. He's a son of honor. He's he's a diagram. I bet you he's diagram. Gotcha. I bet you he's gotcha. diagram. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can dive into that. Um, also, shout I, out Betsy for calling out that there's probably other secret societies. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, I, I I didn't remember that. That I thought it was just Milwash and a group of like other people who were scorned um, by the uh, by the king. So that makes sense that it was some sort of secret society. That I'm confident now. It's that plotted right. the assassination. Mm-hmm. Oh, very Con- excited. We're so hyped, dude. So hyped. But not if we're on, if we're going to stay in the vein of Amazing Bridge Four. We get a little bit of old Sigzil, and we can what, talk uh, about we're it. We're going to talk about Sunlit Man. This is the last warning. To the Kremlings who have not read the Sunlit Man, the latest secret project for that just came out, you, you, this is your warning. The bus is still moving. You can hop out and walk back. There's still time. All right. This is or the like last hop one. on top so you can't hear us for a few minutes. Yeah. Or something. Last one. Uh, and with that, our boy Sigzel. Our boy Sigzel. The Sunlit man. man himself, Sigzel. Oh my God, Zellian. Oh, Zellian, Nomad, the Sunlit Man has returned. My God, and and it's old him. That's what killed See, me so much. See, this is the thing that I wanted that more of in Sunlit Man, right? Like I mm-hmm. wanted to see the old Sigzel shine a little bit more. We did get to see him, like I said, work. When, like I said in that episode, um, we get to see him become that old self when he was having his Navani moment when he was working on experiments. But I would I would have loved to see Sigzel be more of a world singer, you know, and tell stories to the Canticle people, you know, of the planets that he's been out. Uh, he's traveled the world, you know. I think it would dozens. I think it would have been an excellent well, sorry, opportunity. He says tens. Yeah, he's traveled tens of worlds. It would have been an excellent opportunity to show that character growth or the return to the char- the the character we know in Sunlit. I get that it's moving fast, so we couldn't get that. Yeah, and, well, not just that; it's part of the plot. He's running from himself. I mean, of course, the entire book is running, 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 right. running. So, but yeah, then, he's literally running. From but the then the hip. the pinnacle is is being accept- accepted, and you don't have to run. You're you you belong here. You know. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It would have been nice what to see book. a little bit more of it, but it's good but to it, see. Yeah, Sigzel it's here. amazing to see it here. It, it really gives me a lot of joy having just recently read the Sunlit Man and seeing, knowing his future. That is that guy's future. What happened in the Sunlit Man? That's just nuts. Like, <laughs> and and to know that in the Sunlit Man he is going to be reminiscing around about times like this where he's like sitting and having that stew, right? Very cool to see, to see these humble beginnings for a future 
Don Shard holder, semi immortal, <laughs> twice bonded, twice bonded savior of planets, world God. hopper, Sigzel, apprentice of Hoyd. I mean, we could just go on. We, Zellian, the sunlit man. Like, I mean, how many names does he have? <laughs> it's so it's so fucking dope, dude. So dope. It's, uh, it, but yeah. All right, to end the Sunlit Man spoilers, last time I'll say that. I'm just going to dive in next time I'm going to say it. <laughs> of course. Um, but there's so much else in that chapter, too, I love. You know, just getting all of them seeing Investiture for that first time and bantering with each other, but namely with Rock. Rock's known about this shit, and, and this is like your first real sign that he's pretty radiant investiture uh, invest, investiture aware when he calls him the hodalel or something like that yeah it's just he, he, brandon's really digging these characters out now and and they're gonna just explode next book and it just makes me excited you know what no, I no mean? it really is awesome it's it, bridge four really is the bond of the way of kings if you didn't like them then it would this would have been a tough book to read for sure i don't think you should read book two yeah <laughs> But, but, uh, if but, you didn't but like because that. we get so many so many bridge four moments, it makes those moments where Kaladin is lost in the chasm, and and bridge four is just calmly like he's coming back, <laughs> like I it's know. fine. Those make that makes those moments like so much more. Uh, like powerful. the whole scene with Dalinar standing like with his arms behind his back at the chasm is like, will they make it home? And then everyone is like freaking out and. Bridge Four is just chilling. Yeah, just laughing and talking <laughs> or whatever. They're like, he'll he'll come back. They're like, he's died like twenty times by now. <laughs> it's 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 humble beginnings, man. Truly amazing. I mean, that's what that's where Moash knew that no man can kill him. No one can kill him but himself. He fights a goddamn chasm fiend with somebody else's shard. Uh, sorry, during a high storm, it's he's the goat. Oh, yeah, is, book is two is so good. <laughs> it's book two so good, dude. Calden oh. is the goat, but this is the end of him in the way of kings. The next time yep. we see him is in words of radiance. Uh, so yeah, and then uh, we move on to chapter seventy-four. This one is frustrating to read. Chapter seventy-four is so it's tough to see them so wrong. You know, and like just, just there's nothing you could do but just read them, be wrong, <laughs> and then yeah, act so on their with, actions. I know they're so wrong with their own lens of the world too. That's what really annoys the shit out of me because we know as future readers, not only are the Prashendi key to all of it, but they're the listeners. They're the ones who escaped Odium. They're, they're the true beings of this world they yeah, belong like, here you fuckers came in and took over and ruined everything you don't hear rhythms roshar is a place of rhythms and spren right <laughs> the the humans came in and don't even understand them can't even sing the pure tones and then bonded spren in some sort of like cross where where we the Parshen, but we don't know. But where the Parshen product probably did something to betray the singers. Did the singers, the singers did something did. to betray the Spren, and then they sided with the humans, and then Odium leaves the humans and sides with the singers, and then we get this entire conflict. It's just so much more complicated, and to see Shallan and Yazda just be so like set. They're not set because Yazda says perhaps I'm wrong, right? 
and she is. But yeah, they they don't know how wrong they are. You're right. That's what's annoying. But they also don't know how right they are, which is also super annoying. Right. Like it's like they're getting all the facts in front of them. Because they are right that these the parchment are something else or were something mm-hmm. else. Right. They know that they fought them. They know that. They, That's true. And they did fight them, right? Well and here's here's the other thing though. They didn't literally fight those parchment. Great point. Because those parchment, and this is the worst part, dear Kremlings, those parchments are are descendants of the singers, right? They're not the actual singers from many, many years ago. ago. Right? Because then if if those were the actual singers, they'd have to be like 300 years old or something like that. Well, the actual singers would be 4,000 years old. No, no, no. It would be from the last desolation. No, no, no. It would be from the recreants. No, no, no way. There was the false desolation. So that's still when the heralds were somewhat around because Kalek helped seal away Ba'ado Mishram. But Kalek... Which can't... So, oh, I, I think see the, what you're saying. So, Ka- so Kalek helps seal away Ba'ado Mishram, right? Mm-hmm. But that, I think, is after the heralds leave. It is. It definitely is because that's the false desolation. Yes. And that, that's a specific time in history where the Voidbringers suddenly came back. So, so and it was Ba'ado Mishram actually giving singers forms of power. Gotcha. There were no fused. Gotcha. But we don't know when that is between them, the heralds leaving their blades and giving, and giving up the oath pack to the false desolation. I, I continually so I thought it was now, hundreds of years. I, especially seeing Kalek's reaction to how annoyed and mad, annoyed is not the right word, really pissed off at himself for doing that. Uh, it, it, you can tell it's a major reason how the Knights Radiant found out they were the original Voidbringers and gave up their oaths. That's what because, I'm saying. Yeah. So I'm saying. So it's probably not that long. That's what I'm saying. It's closer to the Recreants, which was only hundreds of years ago. It's somewhere between 500 and 1,000. Right. So that so the so to my point, the Parshmen currently in the story are descendants of the singers who lost their forms about 500 years ago yeah but those singers who lost their forms 500 uh, minimum years ago also lost their forms before the false desolation so they are the descendants of the original singers i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure so here i'll paint a picture for you i guess this is theory because it's not confirmed even though the history is all confirmed but the last desolation happens. The heralds leave. Right. Call it 3,000 years go by. When the heralds leave, all of the Parshmen also lose their... They're not in slave form, to be fair. They're not in slave form, but they lose the forms of power. They don't have storm form. They don't have regal form. They don't have any of the things that made them very powerful while right. the Knights Radiant still existed. But they're not uh, in slave gonna, form gonna go ahead and guess they get enslaved because uh, again humanity doesn't have an a, a, a don't make an a, a habit of throwing away something they can use and that's one of the reasons Ba'ado Mishram probably rose up and gave them back forms of power no fused and then Colette came back and used the Knight's Radiant to seal away Ba'ado Mishram that ripped away all of their forms and they were left in doll form and then also slave form and that is what the Parshman became. But they were they were still probably no, no, weak, they were probably left, They were left in a slave form. They were left in a slave form. Because dull oh, form is fair. something that the listeners chose to become. True. Right. Actually, yes. You're right. You're right. But 
Regardless, still, part of I'm that is confident theory. they were part, slaves. Part of that is theory that I guess I that guess. that the reason that Bado Mishram came in to give them forms of power, we don't know what form they were in at that time, right? Because it certainly mm-hmm. it couldn't have been slave form. The most it could have been would be war form, yeah. which is what the Parshendi are. Right. But they had to go back and find that from doll form. Right. Right. All right. So, well, so I guess that, that, we'll, we'll, see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. That was a very long discussion about well, things you and I don't really know. Basically, what I was getting at there is that these. I wish we. W- I so I guess what I'm what I'm really saying is I I wish we had a Parshman or a singer point of view. I want to know, and uh, maybe um maybe Brandon will give this to us in the next book, but I want to know the things that they saw and what they went through, and how it mm. must have felt felt like to be. I guess born into this form, because I don't know. I I don't think these are the original singers, like we were saying. So either he, he needs to elaborate. Inherited it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like do, we need to elaborate on that more. Um, unless unless they are the original singers, do you think that? I think it's a bit of it's a bit of both. So again, they didn't. They weren't in slave form pre bottom mushroom. I'd be shocked if they weren't at least somewhat marginalized, enslaved to an extent, because we gotta that's look it what up. humanity does. Yeah, we gotta, what, we gotta what, take what, a deep dive. We gotta look up, and I bet you it's gonna be like a Rafa and a Wob. What were the singers up to in between the last desolation and the false desolation? It's an important question. We don't actually, I don't, feel, I don't know that off the top of my head. Yeah. Okay, so 75. We learned that cultivation can see the future a little bit better than honor can. And we've seen this phrase before that like looking into the future kind of creates multiple um, multiverse when you're trying to like see it and it's too far away because of uh, probability and randomness. They can't actually see the direct future. So the further out, the further out you get, yeah, it's a broken window. Um, so that's cool to see again because I think that Sezed says that in the Mistborn series to Wax yeah. or something Not like that. Not only that, I mean, we see that with Odium probably in book end of book three or in book four all around Renarin. He's literally looking into the mirror of the future, I think, or the window of the future it's described, and it's breaking in front of him. And the one bit that he cannot really decipher is around Renarin. And we have no idea what the fuck that's about. No fucking clue. Something <laughs> no with Sia Anat. Something yeah. with her. Something with her betraying Odium and creating corrupted Spren that humans can bond. Uh, they, new, nice they, pre- something. They, they prefer the term enlightened Spren, by the way. They, they not, she prefers to call them enlightened Spren, not sorry, corrupted. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Well, but yeah, you're right. If, if they're good guys, fine. <laughs> we, we have no idea. They're somewhere in the middle, and one of them bonded Renarin. And one of them bonded Venley, I believe. Yeah. It, it, yeah. So who the fuck knows what's going on with Renarin? Um, but yeah, that's all I had for chapter 75. I mean, this is just, it's, it's sick that we literally just see Honor. He mentions cultivation and odium within this chapter. The Shards of Adelnasium speaking to Dalinar himself. So there's one thing I want to bring up, and I saw a little bit in your notes, I think. And your, and your note was right. Odium was inventing the Everstorm as a way to bring the fused back without having to break Talm. This is what the whole Janarak thing. She probably caused it, but whatever. Tanavast points in the distance. They don't say what it's toward, but it's the not really the Everstorm coming because it's a wall of dust. 
And whenever someone points in a way, they didn't say the direction because there wasn't a direction, you immediately think of the origin. I always think of the origin. It's where the storms come from. And they're talking about how they're facing towards like a storm coming. Something is going to happen to the origin. I, I just wanted to say this because I think I read it in a wab that the back half of Stormlight is going to deal with something that Brandon has hinted at a good amount of times, but there's a lot of that. And I think it's something to the origin because how would Odium create a new storm that to, bring, to bypass the Oath Pact? Where would he go to do that? Who does he convince past the singers to sing it into existence? Like, you know what I mean? Does it? Does that make sense? I, what creates the storms? I we can't. That's don't, a great point. Don't I don't. We don't know what actually creates the storms. We know that he's he'd been saving up, pooling his investiture in the cognitive realm for a very very long time. Yes. To the point where it's visible, it it's it's it can be heard in that's death the rattles. Everstorm. Fair. That's the everstorm. Okay. Yeah, that's the everstorm. All right, fair enough. That's so so answer. so also this is a this this is this might contradict the theory that Shanarak broke. I think that Odium actually successfully just bypasses the Oath Pack with the Everstorm. In, in in Rhythm of War, it's also mentioned that he's been planning this for a very, very long time. It's finally building up. It's finally strong enough. And through that Everstorm is how the first Void Spren contacts Venli. He's able to travel. Ulim is able to travel through the Everstorm and contact Venli because it's, I don't know how, but it's enough investiture that it can somehow super supersede the the oath pack itself, which is probably tenuous because Talon is it's just one is, guy is and rough. the Almighty is dead. Yeah, um, so it's like squeezing through a tiny tiny crack or something, and then just expanding it using investiture. Then what's the whole point when someone I don't remember who just like looks up into the space and goes, "A herald just died." Is that in Book Five prologue? Yeah, it's in Book Five prologue, and we 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 do say that. We can talk about this. Um, they're talking to Gavilar, and like a herald just died, and they run away. Right? That's is that what happens? Is that? I, it's well, the Stormfather. Anyway. It's the Stormfather that says that. Yeah, it is the Stormfather that. Ju- yeah, and he says it in Book Five Prologue for sure. Fuck! Actually, that's more. That's more evidence that it's Shallon's mom. Yeah. Well, it, it's. Almost perfect. Yeah, it? it's almost the timing is the timing is too good. Like it, the, it, yeah, there's no uh, there's no other person they could be. To be honest with you, yeah, and we know that when they die, they get sent back. Back, so. yeah. <laughs> wow, that that would be so cool, man. If this that turns out to be true, I, I love that we just end up at like the same theory we've talked about. So no, I still <laughs> I love the theory. I just remember after when I was training for the marathon, I reread. Um, that rhythm of war section, and then I saw that like Odium had been planning to supersede the Oath Pack for a while by building that investiture in the cognitive realm. That's why everybody can see it. Everybody's like the Everstorm coming because it's just fucking there. Like it's just like sitting there, like getting bigger and bigger. So yeah, how the hell does Yaz not not notice something like that? That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, I think I, that's it brings up a question of like how far has she explored Shadesmar? You know? Yeah, and probably not that much by this point. Right, um, but it, it could be two things at the same time. It could be that Odium had found a way 
to get around the oath pack and didn't have to at the end or something like that because that's true. Shannarak broke. But very interesting well, theories, man. Very interesting theories. Thanks. I I really enjoyed coming up with some of these. My I'm I'm pretty pretty interested in the idea that cultivation sent the visions. It sounds very much like her. She she literally does it to Dalinar in book three with his flashbacks. I mean, like it 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 just something stinks, man. Something oh, I, stinks. I have I have something. I have a theory that I heard on the Shardcast actually that Let's I thought it. was really interesting. Um, so. Did you you knew that cultivation might be a dragon, right? I cultivation is a dragon. Okay, good, good. And she's not on speaking terms with Hoyt because they were in a relationship. Yeah, exactly. So c- cultivation is a dragon. Um, it was re- in a recent interview where Brandon just threw a bunch of wobs out. Right. Um, they he just started talking about dragons to the shardcast people and he mentioned that the higher higher dragons the higher form dragons like cultivation spend their young years as humans right they give birth in human form or humanoid form right and then the and then they spend those years in human form and then eventually you know can change into dragons right interesting Hear me out. Hear me out. Here comes the theory. Okay. Um, and I can send you the wobs after this. What if Lyft is a dragon and wishes to not grow older because she doesn't want to turn into one? That is the theory. <laughs> and that she's Cultivation's daughter. That was the theory. <laughs> whoa. 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 <laughs> yeah. It would explain a lot of why she can use Life Flight. Explain a lot about that. <laughs> and explains why she doesn't want to grow old because she doesn't want to turn in. Maybe doesn't want to like get her wings, <laughs> so to speak. I can send you the wob on it. But yeah, the, dude, the, send me that. The shit. huge, huge, what? huge lore drop that and, dragons. And you know what? Lift is Brandon's favorite character, and Brandon loves dragons. That's all I'm saying. And uh, his company's Dragon Steel. <laughs> company's Dragon Steel. So yeah. Something for you to uh, ponder Bro, on. That's what. Yeah, uh, you. I'm surprised you didn't hear this, dude. Like he literally was saying, like dragons give birth in humanoid form, and they have to spend a portion of their lives as humans or human-looking, obviously. So how old is Lift? No idea. Uh, this is a theory. Like I said, it's just a theory. Blew my mind with that one, bro. <laughs> There you, there you S- go. Sent me down a rabbit hole. Yeah, we, we can we can talk about it off podcast, but uh, all right. But uh, that's all this I had is, for the for well, these chapters. I'm not surprised this is one of our longer episodes. Look, and you know, Kremlings who made it all the way through here and have been listening to us and yell about theories and spoilers and cra- crazy shit we love about these books and these podcasts. Thanks so much. This book has been an incredible time to reread. And if you're on a reread with us, I hope you've been enjoying the journey too. But Richie, if you want to take us out. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dabbert, I uh, completely agree with the sentiment. Uh, thank you, Kremlings, for sticking with us throughout it all and joining us in the spoiler section and the non-spoiler section. We love you guys very much. Um, yes, we do. And uh, we're headed out. The spoiler bus is dropping us back home. And... This is the end of The Wave Kings. We will be discussing the entire book uh, on the next episode. 
As always, if you'd like to contact us, highlyinvestedpodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at highlyinvestedpodcast. Until next time, Kremlings. How do, you, how do you say that word? What? For that. Freerin? Freerin? It's like free ren. Free ren? Oh. I was like, freerin. Freerin, <laughs> beyond journey's end. That music was so good in that first episode. Yeah, maybe I'll oh, watch so it now.